Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us here at pathtozion.com or perhaps you're listening to the audio recording over on our YouTube channel. You can always reach out to us 24-7 at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to uh, ask a question, let us know anything that you are thinking about in regards to anything we've been sharing here on the program, or just anything in general, personal, something that we could uh, pray for you about, take a phone call, reach out to you, any way that you might need help in your present part of your journey, uh, we would love to do that. Thank you for joining us today. There are many things on the table. Um on the podcast, but but the problem is <laughs> there are a whole lot of other things on the table in life. Um, I'm not going to go into great detail again every episode right now explaining just the busyness of life, but instead let's go ahead and get to um, just one verse I want to discuss for a few moments today that was based on a, a whiteboard teaching verse um, just a couple days ago, and it's Acts chapter 4, verse 20. And Peter and John make this statement that is very challenging for us today here in the, the age that we live in and how we function and handle and appropriate this, this walk that, that many have dubbed Christianity, the Christian life. And, and let's just read the text. It's very short, and then we'll just talk about it for a few moments. For we, Peter and John, cannot stop speaking what we have seen and what we have heard. Okay, very simple. This could not be any more elementary. We, Peter and John, cannot stop speaking what we have seen and what we have heard. And I just want to talk a, a few moments and... I'll preface it with this. If, if you've listened to the last couple of, of episodes, I've, I've referenced just in, in passing that I'm, I'm reading a book that is examining how we have received the Bible, the written Word of God. How, how, what has been the journey of the written Word of God from its inception to today? And... I won't go into all the reasons why I've been looking into that other than from a very broad standpoint. Again, if you know the program at all, you know this is already true. Is spending a lot of time looking into first century followers of the way. Followers of Yeshua Messiah in the first century, those who were on the other side of the ascension, Acts 2, Holy Spirit descending event and what these people were doing, what they were studying, what they were recording, what they were experiencing and and then just by happenstance of course as I add that information to my life I place it beside the the version if you will of following Jesus, following Yeshua the Messiah and then, and then comparing the two as I put them alongside one another. And, and the, the differences are astounding. 
I would say immeasurable. The differences between first century followers of Yeshua and the Christianity of our age, not just American Christianity, but just the religion as a whole, looks so vastly different. Now, many people I know, I've been in the church my whole life, I know many people would would push this aside and, and quickly just brand it cultural. Well, we don't live in the same way. We don't live communally. We don't do this. We don't do that. We're not in the same region. We're not this. We're not that. And, and therefore, we are quickly excused to, the, to just walk out our version of Christianity. Our our 2021 Christian American ideal. Well, this is how we are the church. Now, we have to be really careful with this with this mindset because if we're not careful then we're making the eternal gospel and and sanctification and and walking out a life of of being more and more conformed into the image of the son, we make it just I don't know if conditional is the best word, but we make it just always nebulous, always adapting to our age, our culture, our national preference, our personalities. And when does the when does the personalization of the commands of the Bible, when does it end? I mean, we, without going into it, we can easily point out how this mindset as a as a rule as a lifestyle has man just debilitated the church with sexual preference um denominational leanings excusatory living to do this or to do that well because what well that doesn't mean that to me that doesn't that's not how I read it. That's not, not how I translate that. That's not what my version of the Bible says. And so this is a very huge issue that I don't, I don't claim in any way to want to even tackle today. But about this verse specifically and why I'm even bringing that up is when, when Peter and John were saying, we can't help but speak of what we've seen and what we've heard. We're talking about a an intimate, experiential gospel. We're talking about an encounter-based reality that these two brothers were saying, look, we can't stop from talking about this incredible life that we've been given. And, and even this morning with my son, we just talked about, I said, what do you think Peter and John were, were thinking about? What were they referencing what are some examples of things they saw and they heard? So we talked about signs and wonders, casting out demons, healings, conversions, true conversions of, you know, the Gentile reality of, of people saying, I can be in the people of Yahweh Elohim. I say that all the time, I know, but it needs driven into our our. Our identity issues that we have as, as modern-day evangelical Christians is like we forget that the, the text saying that the whole culmination of Yeshua coming was not merely just to wash your sin away or to give you a cross pendant to wear for the rest of your days. No, I mean, his, his entire point was to create a way for the Gentile people to come in 
who were fo- those who were formerly not a people to become a people to leave an individual sin stricken stronghold domain of darkness life and be delivered into the kingdom of the sun a marvelous light reality and made moved from an individual sin filled man through the blood of Yeshua the Son, through the awesome work of the Father, then empowered by Holy Spirit to come out the other side, what? A people. You were formerly not a people. You weren't anything. You were just an individual, Gentile, carnal, flesh-driven, individual man. And now I have made you a people. And I think that's a primary component of, although we don't hear about it much, we just hear about the personal salvation message. You know, you have to, quote, share your testimony. And I guess that's where where I am this morning when I contrast what men, what men like Peter and John saw and heard and what they couldn't help speak of was, was of course, yes, a personal encounter, a personal testimony, but it was something much greater. It was a great work. It was a plurality of people coming in to the capital C church, the people of God, the grafted in reality. And so could we just split it up for simple example's sake? Twofold, we'll say. The personal, experiential, I myself have been redeemed, delivered, Restored, given a hope, a purpose, and I've been made part of a people. And I'm seeing others coming into the I've made you a people reality, a royal priesthood, a nation, a possession of the Father, a literal nation, a literal possession, an identifiable people created by the Father for His good pleasure for himself and so we have to just re, re, realize that there are so many differences between the now and the what Peter and John are talking about and and that is that is apparent it's very easily identified because the church has done what what do we do now everything requires a program a new membership class how to share your testimony class, how to win 90 souls in 30 days. Well, boy, that's unreasonable. How to win 10 souls in 90 days. (laughs) That's the latest book you can buy. You know what I'm saying. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just saying if we're willing to put these lifestyles side by side friends we look vastly different than our forefathers who were on the the acts 2 side of the the church myself included myself included first first and foremost move me to the front of the line raise my hand i don't have that same drive as peter and john now i have at times there's, there's times and seasons in my life where, yes, in fact, that has been very true. But in honesty, I can't say that that is a, 
ongoing daily reality for me. And, you know, I can already hear people, well, Joel, you you don't have to be an evangelist 24-7. You don't have to do this. I understand that. I understand. But I still feel personally there is much more for me to do to live out a daily lifestyle like Peter and John. Because, again, what I told my son, because this is just how we think in our household and how we talk, how we teach, how we learn. Rather than just look at the the fruit on the tree and, you know, if it's a problem, we say, well, how did it get there? Why is it there? Not just, oh, no, there's bad fruit on the tree. We have to pray it away. Well, let's just be responsible and say, well, why is that fruit on the tree of my life? In other words, to be specific, why am I not more like Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, saying, I cannot help, I cannot stop speaking what I've seen and I've heard. So why is that more? Why is that not more prevalent in my life than it is? So I think these are good questions for us to ask. Again, in an age where we have programs and classes and books and Bible studies and accountability groups and all of these things, we have so many programs in place and so many resources, but we're lacking, I would say, the experiential power of what we're seeing and hearing. And this is my question, I guess. Perhaps we've not really seen and heard. That was another thing in the in the whiteboard version of this that I didn't really elaborate on, but I was really thinking towards is perhaps a, a valid question is, have we seen and have we heard? I mean, that's a good question. When, when Shaul Paul encountered Messiah on the road, um, was there any debate about his encounter and his experience? There is, there is much to our, our, our meeting the Messiah. There is much to our experiential encounter with him. There is, you know, a lot of people have just disregarded that and say, well, we can't be all about emotions. We can't just make this emotional and like praise and worship, um, singing music. Well, we don't want to be emotional. We don't want to be... No, of course we don't. But, and, (laughs) the Creator has made us an emotion-driven people that when harnessed rightly and submitted to and yielded to the Holy Spirit, I believe our emotions even can be sanctified and rightly wielded to what? To be a, a man who can't help but say this or do this. Why? Because I'm so constantly reminded of the awesome work of the Father in my life, in my household. I walk in, this is just moments ago before I turn this recording on. I'm just driving today. Just praising the Father that He did not bring me what I deserve. Man, He didn't bring me what was due me by my actions, by my deliberate disobedience of Him. By my arrogance, by my pride. He didn't do that. He was kind. He was patient. He did not bring me into the life that I deserved. And so may we be people who are constantly remembering what we have seen and what we have heard. And and friend, don't be 
don't be offended if you just don't know what you've seen and heard. If you struggle to share your living testimony, you know, if someone walked up to you today and said, just randomly, of course, we have to just create a, a, a imaginary scenario, but imagine someone walks up to you today while you're pumping gas. Say, hey, friend, I know I don't know you, but like, I don't know, let, this is all <laughs> just imagination, so it can be whatever we want, but do you know Jesus? Because that's what they would say. Well, I know I know Yeshua, the Messiah, the Son of the Most High, Elohim of Elohims, and he looks a little different than the Christian Jesus, but yeah, I know him. And they say, can you tell me about him? Can you tell me just whatever you know? Can you tell me what you have seen and what you have heard, friend? Would that be easy or would that be very difficult? I mean, just let's just answer these questions in honesty. Would it be easy or difficult? And this is not a, well, it should be easy, and if it's not, you don't know him. This is this, The ball is in your court. Only your heart knows, and, and you, you will only know what your heart is saying towards this matter if you sit down and ask the question. Because sometimes we don't even know our own heart, right? We talk about that on the program all the time. We have to, we have to take time to sit and to present ourselves before the Lord and ask the Father to, to just search us, reveal things in us yet unknown. And I would just say, I feel compelled to say, and then we'll bring this to a close, to sit down and say, what have I seen? What have I heard? Because if we've seen and heard the Messiah, we have enough counts in the Word of God to know that men who have, who have seen and heard Him have very much to say. They have a lot to tell. So, thereby, if it's difficult for us or impossible for us to say what we've seen and heard, we have got to just rightly sit down in humility and say, Father, why is that? Why am I, and this is what I've been doing since yesterday morning when we did this verse, why am I not more ready to share what I've seen and what I've heard? I feel like right now, let's be in all just complete honesty, I feel like I can stop myself from saying what I've seen and heard. I feel like I could do that. I feel like I could hold it back. These men, without getting into a word study, were saying, there's no way we can hold this in. We can't, we can't keep it to ourselves. We have got to speak of what we've seen, and we've got to share what we've heard. We can't help it. Well... If we can help it, if we can restrain ourselves and keep it in, perhaps we're not walking in the same level of experiential, ongoing encounter with the King of Kings, like Peter and John were in Acts chapter 4. So, that's something good for us to think on, to chew on today, to ask ourselves in humility and willingness to hear an answer that we may not like. This is not about hearing accolades from our father this is about being mature sons who are willing and postured to be corrected admonished why so that we can be pleasing in his sight becoming more and more and more and more and more each day each moment in the likeness of the son that is our goal and if all we get is is a pat on the back and a, and a good job son every day we're not changing 
we're not maturing. There is much for us to tend to, as we're always saying. So thank you for listening today. I'm hoping to get a video recorded in the next 24 hours. Something very interesting and intriguing that, that the father showed me while I was talking to my wife um, a few days ago. I called it the, the coffee cup principle. I think you'll find it um, intriguing. Something very practical for us to, to glean um, and add to our lives. So thank you for listening today. This is the Path to Zion podcast. You can always find us online at pathtozion.com or our YouTube channel there. Just search Path to Zion podcast. You'll find us. We're also on Facebook, of course. Connect with us there. Share anything, audio or video, and help spread the word. The body of Messiah needs encouraged. She needs prodded a little bit, let's be honest. So uh, thank you for doing your part today. Let's, let's go out into the world and to the church and tell them what we have seen and what we have heard. Amen.